Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com. Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, we're going to talk with Dr. Nazanin Moali. She is a psychologist out in Torrance, California. She's also the host of the Sexology podcast. We are going to be talking about how anxiety impacts sexual relationships. So the content might be a little more uh, direct and frank, and we will be talking about sex. So if you have kids in the car and you don't want them to, or in the room or with you nearby, and you don't want them listening in, just note that there is some adult content in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Woman Warriors podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Nazanin Moali. She is a clinical psychologist who specializes in working with people who struggle with addiction, eating disorders, and she also offers sex therapy. She is also the host of the Sexology podcast. So welcome, Nazanin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. I feel like um, in particular, but all of the things, addiction, eating disorders, and issues in the, you know, in the bedroom, sex issues mm-hmm. are so often things we don't talk about. So I just love that fact that your podcast is dedicated to sex and how we have better sex. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> so uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up where you are today with your business and the clientele you focus on? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting story about how I got kind of involved in the world of sex therapy because mm-hmm. like at my residency and all of most of my training prior to graduation was in eating disorders, mm-hmm. uh, treatments of eating disorders. So what happened is such a uh, interesting personal experience I had. I was struggling. I was in a relationship. I was struggling with sexual challenges mm-hmm. and I always been in therapy. So I'm a big advocate of, advocate of receiving therapy. I think it's just it's such an important part of like self-care for me. Oh, so me the, too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. It gives you perspective on life. It gives me opportunity to reflect. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first thought was great. Not great that I have sexual like challenges, but great. This is something I know what to do. So I went to uh, different like therapists for kind of addressing this issue. Mm-hmm. And what happened, so I went to my gynecologist all around. I was very worried. And the message I con- continuously received was uh, if there's something in the relationship, if there's nothing medically wrong and there's like, there's, then there gotta be something in the relationship. So mm-hmm. we went to so many different wonderful couple therapists and absolutely, yes, relationship can be and maybe the component 
But that wasn't my experience. And I was very frustrated. It wasn't until uh, one of my therapist friends kind of like gave me the information of a sex therapist. Wow. And I went to the sex therapist and she had this very specific interventions and things we could do and the issue got resolved. And it was very interesting to see, yes, again, couple said it was great. We got lots of great insight, but I was feeling frustrated because I didn't know, okay, this is our good information, but it doesn't address the issue. Mm-hmm. And then later on, what I learned was the field of sex therapy and kind of couples therapy, different kind of therapies, different as far as like a specific interventions that right. like a sex therapy teaches you. And it, it was kind of such an amazing revelation for me that I was like, oh, okay, this is something I got to do. <laughs> and that's how I got interested and I got more training in it. And it's just been very uh, kind of an interesting journey for me. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me about that is like, I do think people view therapy as therapy, even if it's mm-hmm. like couples therapy or individual, but the fact that, you know, having a person who specializes in the thing you need help with can make all the difference. Right. Right. Just giving you specific tools. Again, I think insight is fantastic. It's important, but there are some kind of like, uh, specific like evidence-based treatments that you mm-hmm. can use to see resolve for specific sexual challenges. So I was lucky that I, I finally got matched with the sex therapist. So I wanted to share that with other people. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great, I think um, oftentimes for therapists, it is like a, um, you know, their own struggle or challenges that help them f- refine their focus on what they're good at which is right. an interesting thing. So talk to us a little bit about how, you know, anxiety might impact sexual issues in a relationship or even the reverse, you know, does do sexual in, issues in a relationship also impact anxiety in particular for women, but for anybody really. Right, right. Excellent point. So what's interesting is with my sex therapy uh, kind of practice, I see people coming in, specifically, uh, I work with lots of women that uh, they kind of come in because they experience lack, lack of sexual desire and arousal. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we, I send them for kind of like medical evaluation to make sure everything is okay. But I would say like at least in my practice, of these challenges are coming from people's, it's like having this enormous amount of anxiety and stress. Mm. And it's it's very interesting that Dr. Lori Boruto, she's a sex researcher, and as she was talking about in her research that people, like she was talking about the same thing, women coming in talking about, I don't experience, and there's no sexual arousal. And she was like, uh, examining these people in the lab. And what happened during the research was that she noticed that the, the, there is a physiological response, mm-hmm. but we don't register it. So our mind and body are not kind of like making the connection. So how it's related to anxiety is that like most people kind of when they think about the sexual response, they think about part of the equation, mm-hmm. which is like, like sexual excitation kind of, part mm-hmm. so people are thinking about okay I, I i have to buy this kind of lingerie i have to kind of take this vacation lose this weight so i would feel more um kind of sexually aroused would be more kind of happy and i would be uh, kind of more in tune with my desires 
But what happens is that we have this model that's called dual control model, which mm -hmm. is one of my favorite kind of topics in sex therapy is that we have our like sexual response cycle has two components. It's inter interaction between our sexual uh, excitation system and inhibita inhibition system. So I call it like gas and brakes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what happens that people kind of think about, I have to kind of press harder on the gas. Mm. Gas being like excitation things, again, mm. like things that are people kind of thinking about, like that they are erotic, they are arousing. But mm. what I notice with my clients, with the women I see in my practice, we don't have shortage of arousal, kind of like this kind of erotic things in our culture. The challenge is our brakes are on. And like we have all this anxiety, the source of break when we are in the fight flight response kind of zone where we are, when we are not kind of in the relaxed zone, uh, we are, we're not able to kind of get aroused because of those breaks. So right. what I see is that we, like most of the time we start working on kind of like, uh, working on removing those uh, barriers and breaks. Wow. So, and that makes a huge difference and definitely anxiety is a break. So if you're feeling very anxious and you're stressed out, it's just hard to be experienced arousal, no matter what kind of a, a simulation you have in your environment. Yeah. Cause pr I would imagine, you know, well, with, because of the fight, flight, freeze response, you are really stuck in a place that you can't connect with that arousal part of the system. Like that's right. just not happening. Right. And we're focusing on the wrong thing, which is like, I have to increase the accelerator. I have to put the, press the gas uh, harder. Yeah. And that caused this, uh, like more anxiety and frustration because people don't see the results. Hmm. Interesting. And so what types of, you know, specifically for anxiety, what types of uh, interventions um, strategies would you use to help someone sort of allow the anxiety to relax and step back from that so that they can then be feel and under you know connect with that sexual arousal right I when people coming into me I have these kind of different surveys I feel out that okay what are the accelerate accelerators what are the bricks so mm -hmm. we're gonna go look through that and like mental health challenges and stress and anxiety are one of the breaks. So I do kind of different assessment with them. And if those are the issues, we go one by one by kind of what can we do about this stress, a specific uh, kind of break? What could be the kind of, for example, if anxiety is the issue, uh, what can we do with helping you with anxiety? Is anxiety is because of the stress level that you have? Because I was just looking at this study, one of the studies that I talk about with my clients is mm -hmm. like there was this study in 2003 mm -hmm. that they found that um, one third of American reported that study extreme stress in their daily lives. Wow. So it's a huge number. And then they kind of ask about, so how are you addressing it? And only half of them, said, okay, uh, with getting emotional support. Right. People kind of think about, okay, if I have a stress, only if I can do more. <laughs> only if I can get this gadget that helps me with my productivity, I can like, you know, finally feel better. Mm -hmm. So we talk about, okay, if it's, this is working or not, and what else we can do with helping you to slow down? What mm -hmm. can we do to help you with anxiety? If it's a kind of like a 
intervention of like mindfulness is something that I highly recommend to my clients. So we do yeah. mindfulness works, kind of CBT, like kind of helping people to change their thinking. So mm-hmm. that would help with the stress levels. So again, depending on what is the source of anxiety, it's so important to mm-hmm. kind of address that in yes. order to kind of remove the barriers that get in the way of people enjoying their sex lives. Absolutely. Well, I noticed too, um, on your website, one of the things that you mentioned was that, you know, that sexual trauma, you know, talking mm-hmm. about what drives your anxiety, that sexual trauma can be, ha- impact your sexual relationships, which, duh, that makes sense. But, you know, I would imagine too, and tell me if this is right though, that sexual trauma too can create a lot of anxiety around sex. Absolutely, yes. And kind of people, and unfortunately, it's common that many, many women and um, some men, they struggle with kind of some kind of sexual assault, some kind of sexual trauma, and they, they never receive treatment around that or effective treatment. Like it was brief or it wasn't a good fit. And then it shows up mm-hmm. when they are kind of being intimate with their partner. Or even if it's not the memory that they have, me and you both know, it's like our body remembers those trauma and it cools down and it causes frustration because you want to be, you are in a safe relationship with someone that you love and care. And it's just hard because our body is not, because of the trauma history, is able to kind of like uh, let you to enjoy and feel relaxed. So just again, this kind of uh, system of the brick gets activated. And with anxiety, something else that, as, as you were talking about, it just reminded me, I see the other part of anxiety. So I work with uh, some people that they have an out-of-control sexual behavior. And what happens is they use uh, sex as an anxiety reduction. And that can be very problematic because they can get to the cycle of compulsivity. And it's just not a matter of connection slowing down. It's just a way for them to manage the anxiety. And then again, there's nothing wrong, I think, based on my training, that like if people masturbate or different, like having lots of sex. Right. But if it turns to a uh, only method that you're uh, coping as a way of coping with anxiety, that can kind of like, take over your life and ruin many things as far as works and relationships. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but just like any sort of addictive behavior, compulsive behavior, like sex could fit that role too for some people that just using that to manage uncomfortable feelings or whatever it might be, disconnection or yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Because it can be escape. I have clients that they struggle with kind of what, what's known as porn addiction and they're watching porns hours and hours and they kind of miss going to work. And what happens for them is mm-hmm. it's just like a strong escape for them. There's just like they cannot sit with the emotion, all the anxiety. So it's easier for them to kind of like use uh, sex and masturbation and relationship as a distraction yeah. Uh, so they cannot, they wouldn't kind of confront their trauma and anxiety. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, um, like any addiction, like any compulsive behavior that takes some time to work through it, but also find other healthier, better coping ways of coping with whatever's behind it. 
Right. And I believe because then the coping is shame and our culture is very shame based, mm-hmm. uh, people feel like another level of stigma that oh, yeah. there's something wrong with me that I use sex as a way to cope. Mm-hmm. But it is a strong kind of a, it, it lightens up the uh, dopamine pathway system. So no wonder is a strong way Absolutely. of coping. So yeah. 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 It's like, right. It's like your brain going, this is okay. This works. This makes right. me feel better. Yeah. And maybe it's not so healthy in their right, uh, the rest of their lives. It may not be the best way to cope. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's so impactful. And so have you noticed an increase in sort of the compulsive sexual or uh, and maybe not but uh compulsive sexual addictions or you know compulsivity around porn just with the availability i guess you know the fact that there's so much out there that can be tapped into versus like back in my day, I'm going to date myself. You know, it was basically you had to go buy a magazine if you wanted to find porn or purchase tapes or whatever. Absolutely. And it's like, I'm in a like longer era that was like, no, there was no um, kind of internet porn. So like, you know, you had this video and like, you know, watching a video kind of like it loses its novelty after like second (laughs) times or third times. And now you're absolutely right. Because what happens with kind of a porn um, industry, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with people watching porn at like, you know, moderation i mean if if it's not uh necessarily conflicting with their values mm-hmm. but you know right now what happens is you're watching something and they kind of like there's an algorithm that kind of keeps track of like the things you watch mm-hmm. so they show you more of the same thing that you really like mm. and it's just really hard to kind of like if it's like a partner that really knows what turns you on and there's you get suggestions for like two other videos that are exactly what would be something that it would be arousing for you yeah so i think it's just that's for that part of it it's just harder to not get hooked wow yeah Yeah, and it's just for people it's like but especially for women i don't necessarily kind of like I, I work with women that are compulsivity involved in like kind of hooking up and doing different kind of risky behaviors, but with watching something like porn, it's such a, it appears to be a harmless way of kind of experiencing like sexuality and kind of getting some release, but then can easily turn to an uh, addiction if there is things that are uh, necessarily make you more vulnerable, like genetic vulnerability and anxiety, things of that nature. Right, right. And, um, like I think culturally, to at least from my perspective, um, and I could be way off base, but like it seems like society sort of thinks, well, the porn industry is really for men. Like there isn't it. It isn't this. Women aren't getting hooked on porn. Women aren't watching porn. Now, of course, they are. But mm-hmm. do you see that sort of? Um, is it harder for women to come and talk about that? Like that if they are watching it, like because socially it may not be as acceptable. I think so. And also talking about any kind of sexual behavior. And I think definitely sexual compulsivity, what I used to see before in the past was like, I don't know, 10 years ago, we were talking about love addiction mm. because female for women, love addiction was like more acceptable than sex addiction and kind of sexual compulsivity. But right now what is great that like just I 
in my podcast, I interviewed like women that they struggle with sexual addiction. We have like lots of different women that they have kind of spoke up or spoke out about their struggle. And mm-hmm. then people kind of give it kind of this awareness that this is something that women are struggling as well yeah. and kind of like normalize it. Because yes, when people are thinking about sexual compulsivity, like the image that comes to most people's minds, they're like a older Caucasian male, middle-aged Caucasian male with resources mm-hmm. and money. Yeah. So yeah. they never thought about like a different kind of people. I see my practice, like women from all cultures and all backgrounds. Yeah. But for some reason, they need an escape. It's, it's really, truly, um, I think, you know, f- I think it's so important to just sort of normalize for one, like, you know, as a community of women to normalize that there are things that we are all struggling with, you know, and maybe not all of us are struggling with the same thing, but normalizing like, yeah, sex addiction or difficulty in being aroused or whatever it is. Because again, as I said before, like the fact that we don't like talking about sex is something that comes easily, I think, to a lot of people, but you know, where the therapy room can be so, so helpful. Right. Absolutely. And I feel with that, especially as you mentioned around sex, is our sex education is so insufficient. Mm-hmm. Like most people, what they learned is around like taught about like, you know, in pornography, their sex education with pornography or like media and like the information, it, they just have bad, inaccurate information. Again, there's nothing wrong. I, I feel like I keep talking but negatively about pornography. I'm not talking about porn being bad. I'm talking about it's not accurate sex education. The same right. way that like a romantic comedy movies are not uh, exactly. the reality of the relationships. Right. Happily ever after isn't necessarily right. <laughs> <laughs> isn't necessarily the best right sex education either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that you know we're all human and and you know, we bring with us whatever it is that's happened to us in our lives into the bedroom or into the sexual relationship. And that can be hard to tease apart. But also, if you're not given uh, the space to, to do it safely and not be shamed, like it can be really challenging. Right. And knowing that there is there are good solutions. We have mm-hmm. this kind of like now evidence-based practices, research-based methods that can help people step by step what you need to do to resolve this issue. Because yeah. I think the hardest part is just feeling that I'm defective and I'm the only one is like struggling with this and there's no solution. Right, right. Which is so isolating. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And can just breed anxiety too, right? If right. If you're the only person, then like, what's wrong with me? Right. Well, I feel like we could probably like branch off into about 10 different areas, but <laughs> I want to um, um, ask one last question and then we'll go on to, you know, what some resources might be or tips that you feel like might be important. But do you see, um, because you deal with addiction, um, you deal with eating disorders, sexual problems, are they ever interconnected? Is this something that you see, you know, where someone might be struggling with more than one of these issues? Right. Absolutely. And I think when, when it gets to core of it for my clients is kind of 
having this feeling of I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm worthless. And everyone else figured it out, but you know, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And these are the things people cope with, like using like substances or kind of only if I lose weight, mm-hmm. I would feel better. Or, you know, if only if I can find a solution around sexuality, you know, it's just like it's feeling that you're not good enough and it's just there's no solution. It's a commonality I see. And I think all of this thing is like compulsivity behaviors, kind of like the feeling of you have to control what you eat and not feeling good enough is a common kind of like um, common thread in all of the clients that I see. I would say that's a common thread in a lot of the clients that I see, which is women with anxiety. Yeah. Not good enough. Everybody else has it figured out what's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm just doing my best, but my best is not enough. Yeah. I guess on the one hand to me um, opens again, that door to like, a lot of people are struggling with the same issues. Like this is something that needs to be talked about, but it's also almost heartbreaking, you know, to think Mm -hmm. that there's so many people that are not feeling good enough. Absolutely. Yes. And we all suffering alone. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. So um, Nazanin, if there were some either resources or if you had a tip or both um, that you felt like would be important for the listeners to hear what what would they be great yes yes i'm, I'm big and and like resources a couple <laughs> things come to my mind as far as a tip um so there are like one of the areas that the research shows that's helpful for sexual dysfunction mental health challenges uh, is mindfulness yeah. and i know when i talk about introducing my clients i get like sometimes they they roll their eyes because <laughs> this kind of really negative experience with meditation in the past. They feel like this is something like it's just not for them, especially if you have anxiety, your right. brain, that we, as we call it in like kind of meditation thing, it's a mind key brain. So your, your mind cannot quiet down most of the time. Yes. So uh, what I recommend is just definitely for sexual challenges, one of the most effective interventions they found is like, practicing ongoing mindfulness. Mm. So, and it's so interesting that they, they had this study of, they uh, kind of compared people who practiced uh, three months of mindfulness, I think it was three months, and the three months of psychoeducation CBT. And the results show that people who practice mind, even just like short amount of mindfulness, they, saw, they did better in kind of alleviation of like a sexual challenges. So uh, I definitely, I guess my tip would be you get amazed if you practice kind of even 15 minutes of mindfulness meditation, how impactful that get going to be in your life, kind of like life, lifelong with your kind of anxiety, depression, sexual challenges. But the key with the mindfulness, as you probably can relate, is just you got to kind of show up every day yes, and do part of it. Even if it means like today I can only do 10 or 15 minutes Right. That's right. so important. And if you think about compar- in comparison to other things, like medications, all these kind of like expensive procedures, uh, like mindfulness has no side effect. Yeah. And that's something free and you can do it at the comfort of your home. And I can, I, I can like tell you guys studies after studies that show that the impact of the mindfulness in our sexuality specifically is fantastic. So that's my tip for you guys is that oh. just, 
Perfect. Set aside 15 minutes and practice kind of mindfulness. Well, and the thing about mindfulness to me is that it just helps you be so much more in tune with yourself. And right. so it allows you to yeah, recognize when maybe the anxiety is creeping in or maybe there are thoughts that are stopping you from being fully present with your partner or whatever it might be. So. Absolutely. And as far as the resources, I find when it comes to sex education and like information around sexuality, we, we never had got, like most of the people I would say, got the information that's applicable, that's accurate. Uh, so I have two books that I always recommend to my clients. First one is Come As You Are mm-hmm. by Dr. Emily Nagoski. And she gives lots of good information about this kind of a dual model, uh, dual control model of sexual responses, what you can do to remove the barriers. And also there's this new book by Dr. Lori Broto talks about better sex through mindfulness. Oh, wow. She has this great kind of like exercises that you can do specifically that will help you with kind of incorporating mindfulness in your sex life. That's awesome. I had not heard of that book. I've heard of the Come As You Are book, Mm -hmm. um, but I have not heard of Better Sex Through Mindfulness, so I'm going to have to check that out. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you, Nazanin, so much for being a guest today, for being a part of the Woman Warriors podcast, because uh, I think this was a really important discussion to have, but I also just appreciate the time that you took to spend with me today. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Again, this is just such an important topic, like the stigma around anxiety and women's mental health challenges, and I'm so glad we have you as a resource. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and uh, maybe we'll talk again soon. Great. Thank you. So thanks as always for listening to the Woman Warriors podcast. The show notes you can find at womanwarriors.com. If you have suggestions about what you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can always go to womanwarriors.com and shoot me an email. My takeaways today were really uh, getting a better understanding of that dual control model of, of sexual response and sexual arousal. Um, Nazanin's, you know, very uncomplicated way of explaining the acceleration or the brakes and how that might impact how women in particular are approaching sex, but also where there might be some difficulty or struggle when getting aroused. So um, I think it's important to talk about, I think it's important to Um, I think it's important to talk about sexual dysfunction or sexual um, difficulties because it's part of intimate relationships and part of who we are as humans. So I hope you liked this podcast this week. Uh, Next week, we'll be diving into some other topics around the sexual difficulties, problematic sexual behaviors. So I hope you'll tune in again. Have a great week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.